0: Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa demattis Lapore and
2: Ann Baldwin. And we're back. We are back here for another edition of The Connection. I'm Anne Baldwin, president and CEO of Baldwin Media Marketing and Hard
1: Hitting. New Britain and <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Dematos Lapori here, CEO and president of the Connection. Aren't you supposed to say president and CEO? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It Doesn't matter. You're in charge. I can say it. You're in it charge. Really you've been matter. there
2: forever, and you you've done a great place with the organization. And it's just it's well, such you. a pleasure to be able to chat with you each week on this this show. And when Lisa comes in to the studio, I have Lisa has a Shih Tzu. I do, and um. Bachi, Bocce. Bachi. And I have a Shih Tzu, Teddy. So when Lisa's coming in, I bring in Teddy, right?
1: And, yeah, that makes my day. Thank
2: you. Yeah, but Poppy you know, love. you know what a pain it is? So here's what happened today. So we're in the office and Teddy starts to bark. And upstairs is an ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like dogs. He says they're just dirty and carry disease and all that. So he starts pounding his foot on the floor, like stomping on the floor really loud. Meanwhile, I listen to his. I can hear everything. He's talking to his patients all day long. I can hear everything, which is against HIPAA, by the way. It is, yes. But we're in an old building. So we're like screaming back and forth at each other because Teddy barked a couple times.
1: Teddy is a puppy. Give me a break. I know. And he's really cute. I know. So it doesn't matter. I
2: said he's my therapy dog, so... Anyway. That's it. And I need all the therapy I can get. Oh, wow. Thank you
1: for bringing him in. It makes me happy.
2: Yes, yes. David Borzolino, quit shaking your head yes, okay? If you don't behave, I'm going to throw you out with the chickens. That's a whole nother
1: show. Oh, my God. Dave Dave Borzolino, CEO, Feral Treatment, has ducks. That's all we'll say. Are they ducks or chickens? I don't know. What are they? Are they they chickens or ducks? They're both. They're both? Yeah. He has, you know, you have to have, but here's the thing with Dave Borzolino, my peer in Connecticut, Mm -hmm. you have to have a sense of humor like Mm -hmm. you do to, for the job that we have. If you can't laugh Mm -hmm. and do things that are a little bit off, I mean, that's, it's not illegal. They're no. just
2: ducks. They're hilarious. And it's all over Facebook. So if you like David Borzolino on Facebook, you'll see these things. Dave's it's it, it's ducks like and ducks and chickens. Ducks and chickens, whatever they are. He puts them in really crazy places. It's like elf on the shelf. It like is all, all year, year round. And and he carries them in a bag, and he brought them here to I asked the him radio to br- stu- I
1: asked him to bring them in. Today. You did. I okay. did. Yeah. All right. Well,
2: you know what? So we've got puppies, we've, we've got, got ducks chickens, ducks, chickens. whatever. We've got it all, and we've also got Michael Longo. So yes, the most important, the most thing. important part of this. And, and Michael, welcome, Michael. Thanks for being Thank on the show. You very much. Nice and, to be here and sharing your story. You know what else is cool too is that we're all you know kind of doing our pre-show prep today, and there is one, two, three, four, five, six of us sitting around a table. And what was the one thing we all had in in common? common? what we're all 58 we're 58, all 58 yeah. years old how sure. cool is that it's awesome just one old man who's not 58 <laughs> he no. was the odd man out man you know but that's
0: why he's sitting out that's there. why he's
2: sitting outside the glass that's right you got to stay out there unless you're 50 this is the 58 club well, right it is <laughs> so michael in, uh, with all seriousness uh thank you for being on the program and why don't you tell our listeners um this is called the connection and You know, I really believe because we're hearing from a lot of our folks that say they appreciate the stories, um, people being so candid about what's happened to them in their life and where they're at today. So rather than me kind of reiterate your story, it's never anything like when somebody tells their own story. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what happened? How far back?
1: How, well, how far how, no, however, you, well, you want to go. Give, yeah. Tell us about yourself, Michael, because you're really an inspiration and our listeners want to understand that um, addiction and um, recovery are possible and you're just a perfect example of that. Thank you very Your much. Your story is really amazing to me. So wherever you feel comfortable starting is great.
0: Um, well, I will say, first of all, that my addiction was... Or is, you know, it stemmed from my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't say not being appreciated, but being um, gay and living in a small state, I would say, like Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the kids beat me up behind the high school and my father did not like any of that. And I didn't even know, you know, what was going on myself. I didn't know what that whole thing was about being gay. So... Before I could even start dealing with it myself, I was judged for it. So, being judged and being put down, I had like very low self esteem, which is still a lot of work to make myself feel good about myself. I do, in the past two and a half years, feel really good about what I'm doing for me instead of what I do for other people. Mm -hmm. So, I, um, growing up like that was, it was tough. I know it adds into everything. And, And I had uh, my brother who was a year older than me had passed away in 1987, he was 27, I was 26. And I started to, uh, the doctors were giving me Valium and sleeping pills and things that, you know, you would be given because it was a really tragic death. And he was my best friend my confidant. And
1: I'm so sorry. It was, it was,
0: you know, it still bothers me obviously, because he would, he would protect me in school. If somebody was calling me a faggot or something like that, he, my brother would take him out behind the high school and and rough him up. You know, he didn't let anybody pick on me. And then when he was gone, I, think it just sort of left me hanging with no connection uh, to another male because my like I said my father he didn't like me you know at all and um, without getting into all that but just take it as that he didn't like who I was and uh, he was more afraid of the whole gay thing before like I said I didn't even know Mm -hmm. what was going on with myself but anyway so they started to give me Valium and sleeping pills and that
1: the doctors, uh, The correct.
0: doctors, yeah. I mean, it, and I didn't even, you don't even know, you know, you're just doing. What the doctor says. Yeah. And I, it was this evolution of, um, I had never been to a, a gay bar. I'd never been to New York City. And my brother died in October and December of that year. I'm like, I'm going to the biggest gay club in New York City um, with this guy from work that I knew was gay and uh that was the beginning of first time I ever had taken ecstasy or any drug I did no drugs in high school you know I didn't even smoke pot I didn't drink and uh that was the beginning of this um sort of like a fantasy life like I it wasn't reality but it felt really good obviously and that was It came together with being able to bring myself down from taking Valium. Mm -hmm. I had the Valium to bring me down from doing ecstasy or, you know, Coke or whatever. And the whole club drug thing turned into – it was this gigantic evolution of me liking myself. I felt at home in the clubs. The clubs were all drugs. And those people became my friends. And I don't blame anyone because I honestly – I don't have any regrets of my life, but I I know, finally, I know where my addiction has come from.
2: So when did you figure out that you needed to seek help?
0: Um, I always kind of knew in the back of my head. Yeah,
2: you do, right? Yeah. You kind of know something's not right and you can't keep operating. I, I speak from experience, right? So you know that you can't keep doing this. Um, but then, you know, some people say you got to hit bottom. I disagree with that. So when... What was the turning point?
0: Um, I, well, I I kind of hit bottom. I mean, I my life had turned into, instead of going out drinking with friends and going out and buying drugs and stuff like that, it turned into doing it at home. Isolation. Yeah, and I had completely – it was after my father had passed away, and I don't know if that was – it wasn't because I felt so bad. I, it was kind of like I felt like I was free in a way. And that um, intense feeling of freedom turned into this really, really dark point of my life. And then I um, ended up in Farrell, which was an absolute blessing.
2: So let's talk about Farrell Treatment Center. And Farrell is located here in New Britain. And historically, they've been a male-only treatment center and very, very well known and just a proven track record and just wonderful people that, that work at Farrell. So how did you come to find Feral Treatment Center?
0: It's to a friend.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, you yeah. called and did you call? They
0: called. I was a mess and uh, they called and found me a bed. I was supposed to go, um, to a place in Florida, but I couldn't. And it was for three months. And, you know, I ended up going to Farrell. And well, I have to say about that is I'm glad that I didn't go to Florida. I'm glad it wasn't treated like some vacation. Um, I'm glad it went where I did because you're taught how to be, how to uh, uh, approach being sober. They can't tell you. It's not magic, mm-hmm. you know. And But they gave me the right tools like to, I think if you pay attention when you go to a rehab you have to really it's like going to school
2: right if you're just tuning in we're speaking with michael longo and it was fun not funny but it was interesting when when we asked michael right how long he's been sober his answer was two years nine months and one day right Yep. congratulations, congratulations. that's fantastic Thank and you know and hats off to feral because we know that they do good work but You know, I think Lisa. One of the things that we talked about a lot on the show is you can go to the right place, like a feral treatment center. But isn't the biggest part of this really, Michael, that you had to be ready? Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah, to be ready. Without
2: a doubt. Talk about that because I don't think everybody understands that.
0: Well, I mean, I you kind of for me, I got to a point where first of all, being ready, like to me, addiction was like wearing very comfortable clothes all the time. And when you, when I went to Farrell, you realize that you have to get rid of those clothes. So it's kind of difficult, but at the same time, those clothes are old and it's time to throw them away. So no more
2: drag? Oh no,
0: no, no, none at all. (laughs) That was before, (laughs) but uh, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's, you kind of know, at least for me. You got sick
2: and tired of being sick and tired. Exactly.
0: I mean, I was really done with it, you know, and I... Yeah, I can see how people would go back, like how people lose their sobriety, but I don't um I don't want to go back. I've had some really difficult times since I've gotten sober. I've been tested. Oh my god. Like yeah. Like uh yeah. It's a
1: constant, right? It's a yeah. lifelong process of yeah, recovery, isn't
0: it? Every time you think, Okay, I'm good Right. Like I can coast now, you're not good. You're I right. mean you are but You're not. You're not.
1: You're really not.
2: Yeah,
0: it's hard to explain, but you know yeah, and when you can, that's
2: when you can lose it, too, Lisa, you know, is when you think you've got this. Or, you know, people say... Be- you become complacent. You Well, that, you've got time under your belt, and you're like, well, maybe I can just have one.
0: And situations <laughs> come up, too. Like, yes. um, I was given antibiotics over the winter, and uh, they're sulfa antibiotics, which make me right. really hyper, and they make me shake. And um, if there was ever a time I wanted to take a Valium... It was during those four weeks. Right. And I seriously, seriously, if I had them, I would have taken them.
1: Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable, Michael, that. This, I, you know, I was recently, we have a, an event coming up, a fundraising event. And I went to speak with uh, the staff at Dawn's Pizzazz. We have a fundraiser on May 11th. And I was talking about trying to educate and talk to the staff about the clients that we see and the people that we help and sort of their story, right? and it all a lot of it always stems back to your childhood and experiences and trauma and what you were brought up in and no one signs up for that Right, so you start off as a baby, and you've got parents. And if your parents are, you know, unaccepting of through cultural reasons, or there's substance abuse, or mental health, or trauma in the home, that affects uh, this child, right? And so you're, you know, sort of handed this. It has nothing to do with what socioeconomic background you're from. Has absolutely nothing to do with your race. As it's not, it's not about that. It's about what are you experiencing to make you the person that you are, and what support do you or don't you have to conquer your life and go through life, which by the way is difficult irregardless of you know, what your family structure is. And, you know, your story is poignant because it just points out the fact that that is really, you know, you don't just decide one day, oh, I think I'm just going to use drugs today Mm. because I want to. No, it's an evolution.
0: For me, it was an evolution. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And I I want
2: people to go grab a pen and paper because we're going to give you out the number. I'll give it now, but we'll give it again, of course, before the end of the show. So Feral Treatment Center, again, as I mentioned, really known for their... um, Their men's programs, but they now also have a women's extensive outpatient program as well. So, outpatient means that you come into Feral and you go home, but it's still very, you know, it's very, very extensive. Um, outpatient services work for a lot of people. And now, the fact that women have access to these programs as well at Feral, I think, is a huge addition and, and a huge plus for the entire, you know, community. It's, it really it's great.
0: I went through Feral and I actually went back. I did IOP after.
2: Which is intensive outpatient program. Yeah. Program. Yeah. And
0: then a went back for my own self. I went back again. And then about maybe two weeks, I didn't go. And then I went back again. Because at that time, Farrell was the only family that I had. And they're like family. So I kept going back because I had the connection. So to continuously stay sober and get used to my new life and have my new family still there. Mm-hmm. And they were yeah, keep coming back. You know, it, just keep that's coming wonderful. back until you get And good it right. for
2: you because I you know, sometimes I know insurances will say twenty eight days or you know, you can't put a time limit on how long it takes somebody to get straight and sober. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, for some folks, it might be 28 days. It might be three months. It might be never. But it's a lifelong process. It's a life. It's a lifestyle in itself it each yep. and every Amen. day. Yep. It really is. And, you know, I try to live the lifestyle the best of my ability. And some days just rock your world, right? Mm-hmm. You get tested. Yep. And, you know, we've all the seen state, people yeah. with with time under their belt. And that's. It, can be, it doesn't even have to be a sad or tragic. Magic event no. sometimes it's the happy stuff that triggers well, people to go back out
0: yeah for me that's because that was my addiction was happy stuff yeah going out and I had clubbing accumulated and all these friends and they you know loved me because I was like I used to do drag and all the clubs and it was like groupy stuff and I never wanted for I always had really good money and stuff like that I had everything I wanted and then you and you had your own that, business correct yes but you realize that it's just a facade of what's really inside of you and then for me I needed to I'm starting to know now at 58 years old that gay
2: 58 yeah, hey. that I'm not I'm not a bad
0: person you know and I don't have to um I don't have to prove myself to anyone but myself exactly, that's, right.
2: that's right that's right and that's a
0: really cool feeling yeah
2: and you know and that's why we need expert advice we need the professionals yes. you know like you have at Feral like you have at The Connection you know whether we're talking about domestic abuse whether we're talking about homelessness whatever we're talking about have somebody help you through the process because that's what's going to help exactly. get you to where you need to be yeah. we can't do it ourselves we can't self-feel sometimes we just and that's why you know 12 step programs sometimes work for a lot of people and you know just maintenance preventative maintenance right
1: yeah yeah. Michael what do you when you look at yourself in the mirror today what do you see what who is Michael today
0: I'm old no one kidding
1: no you don't (laughs) know you're (laughs) not you don't look 58 at all
0: um well I actually it's good to look at myself and see um I can't say that you've come full circle but I I first of all I feel like more of a and I don't mean man meaning male I don't you know I mean just being an adult man you know because I did so much screwing around and it was everything was fun 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 until it crashed so to look at myself and to know that I'm doing good not only for me I'm doing good for my family Mm -hmm. um you know I I don't have a lot of the friends I used to have. Like when I first got out of rehab, people were, you know, trying to be my friend. And I think because they didn't relapse, they disappeared. I didn't disappear. Well,
2: what's one of the biggest things they tell you, right? You have to oftentimes change people, places, and things. And things, right. And the people have to change. And, you know, too bad for them that they're not getting to see the authentic you now. You know, they're lost, but...
0: That's so true. I will, you know, I will say that... um, everything that's gotten me back up to, uh, you know, Bristol where I grew up in woke And instead of going back to new Haven, I stayed up here because all my recovery is up here Mm -hmm. and I need to feel connected to that. I honestly don't go to a lot of meetings because they make me nervous. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just being honest. No, that's
2: fine. Hey, you know, everybody's got their own, whatever works for you.
0: Yeah. I just, um, I'm, the point is, for it's full circle. It's I'm getting to know my mother now as a friend, mm-hmm. not just my mother. Um, I I'm doing things that I'm very blessed to do. You know, I can't even tell you, and it sounds corny, but how blessed my life is. And I won't say the word "I'm lucky" because it's not luck; it's being blessed. And you know, I owe it all to Farrell and to that. You know that dark point point that I got to, it's actually brought me to a beautiful point in my life that, you know, if it wasn't for
1: that journey, right? Yeah. I mean, it's,
0: it's pretty amazing. If you choose to pay attention to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're just, I'm sober and I'm going through every day and you're not really saying, look at me, I'm sober, you know, I'm doing a really good job because there are some people, I will not talk for other people. For me, I have to know that I'm doing a good job. There are dark days and all that. I'm not of course. running around like it's all fabulous or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really nice to get to know myself. And I never knew that I wasn't. Right. I always thought I was 100% me. Right. Everything's going great. And
2: sometimes it's, it's like that cloud has to lift. That big yeah. cloud has to lift for a while. You know, you can, you can have a week sober, two days or two weeks sober. But it seems to me, like for me, it took almost a year. For me to figure out that, wow, things are different, things are good, you know, and, and to keep moving along. You know, the other thing I want to mention about farrell as well, Lisa, and this is exciting news, is they are one of the first treatment facilities in Connecticut to get um, Sublicate. And what Sublicate is, is a 30-day injection of Suboxone. So yeah. imagine that, you know, that's these fantastic. Suboxone clinics where you got to go, right? I don't know, but I've heard, you know, day in, day out, you know, and it's just uh, now it's like a 30 day injection. It's fantastic. It's it's wow. really amazing. Wow. Wow. So, again, that's available um, through Feral Treatment Center. And you call over there and somebody's going to answer the phone and somebody's going to put you in contact with the right person. And, you know, it's that's sometimes the hardest step to finding recovery is the first call the first call right Mm -hmm. so again that number for feral treatment center is 860-225-4641 that's 860-225-4641 and it's feral treatment center in New Britain one of our neighbors here yeah yeah so what's life look like today um, I'm
0: doing really well. I mean, I, I can't, I have no complaints at all, other than being a little ill over the winter, which really, I got, I was so depressed from taking those antibiotics and everything. It was a very dark time in my sobriety, but I held on to it. So through that dark time, I'm like, wow, I'm even stronger than I thought I was. And it just keeps getting better. And I think that the stupid times where you feel a trigger kind of go away, but there are bigger times that trigger you. You know, like family events because you get more involved in stuff. You know, it's the only way I can explain it. Because stupid things like going out and having beers, and that's not what does it to me where it used to be. Now it's like, you know, someone in the family's agitating somebody else, and you're like, I just want this to go away.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it brings back. Yeah. It passed, right.
2: Michael Longo, who has two years, nine months, and one day sober. <laughs> but who's counting? Yeah. Right, <laughs> right exactly. awesome. So how you what do you do? You give him back? Are you involved at Feral? I mean, what are you up to as far I, as that goes? That's a big part of service is a big part of recovery, right?
0: Yeah, I um there's several groups on Instagram that I belong to. Um, I did, which is so helpful. Like we all talk to one another and they're very positive and very solid with their sobriety. There was a group on Facebook that I joined and they were, it was horrible because they were saying things like, uh, I'm going to go out this weekend and reset my sobriety date. It was this quote that everybody was using. And all they were doing was finding excuses from one another to, go to yeah. uh, co-sign their You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's okay because this guy on Facebook is doing it. And I had to delete the page because I was trying to be constructive in it and say, you know, PTSD and, you know, anxiety. And you don't, if you're, you don't need to take a valum, that's an excuse. You can work from the inside Mm -hmm. on your anxiety. They didn't want to hear that. No, they want to hear, you know, this, could this thing, this quote they had of reset my sobriety day, which I found really odd. Why would you want to go through all that again?
2: I don't know. People on yeah. Facebook.
0: Yeah, it was crazy.
2: Yeah, That's what you say. Take what you want and leave the rest. But, exactly. you know, good for you for deleting that because I know sometimes I want to delete Facebook too. Yeah, it was just Except so... Except if I did, I wouldn't get to read all your great stuff, Lisa.
1: <laughs> I'd put funny stuff. You put I, funny stuff. I try to put funny stuff. You even put
2: like swears on there sometimes.
1: I know. But I'm trying to just like, you know, lighten it up a little. Yeah. Yeah. It's too... People get too serious. Yep.
0: I post really a big and obnoxious positive things. A lot of stuff... Um, comes to me like as I'm waking up like some like little revelation about sobriety or um, self-help or spirituality or something like that and I I feel if people I feel if it came to me and it does sound stupid that I'll put it on my Instagram and uh, I know uh, the comments and the likes that I get I know that I've touched people mm-hmm. through that
2: yeah you know? it resonates with people
0: yeah, it does it makes me feel good mm-hmm. That I've, all those people said they like it. A lot of people comment and stuff like that. Very seldom do I get somebody saying something negative. There,
1: there is some, I mean, we can, you know, bash social media, but there is something to be said about feeling a part of a group of uh, people who understand what it's like to deal with whatever you're dealing with and to feel supported and um, that you don't feel alone. I mean, I really think that that's really key is Mm -hmm. not feeling alone in the world in the sense of while it's an inside job, it's good to know that other people can relate, they're there for you, you can help them, they're giving you something back and I think that's key. I do
0: go to meetings I don't go as much as I, I don't want to say probably should, because it, it should be everyone's it's decision. It's
2: individualized. Yeah. Right.
0: And, and um, I go to, I always need to make sure that I know where I was. That's right. And where I am. Mm-hmm. And I need to go farther. Plus, you know, listening to someone else's the stories, the the horrifying things that happen You to think people.
2: you have a bad, right?
0: Yeah. You're yeah. gliding along like everything's great. You go to a meeting, you're like, okay, yeah. like you need to. Just chill right. and calm down.
2: You know, Michael, we, we've said this before too, and someone said this to me: is if we all went into a room and we put our stuff in the middle of the table, everybody put their stuff in the middle of the table, and then you have the option of either taking somebody else's stuff or taking your stuff back. You take your stuff you back. Know it yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. It's, it is so true. Yeah. So again, we just have about you know two minutes. I think it'd be nice to see what's the future look like for you from from your eyes today
0: um i i know you asked me that and i avoided it before i yeah you um, did answer my
2: questions
0: (laughs) damn it i um i i would like to get back into designing i've always designed uh nightclubs and restaurants which is so much fun because i visually can use a lot more of what's in my head um i do a lot of artwork but i would like to get back into designing which i am
2: interior design yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah because i can Uh, play with lighting and textures and stuff like that a lot. So I love doing it.
1: What type of artwork do you like to do?
0: Um, I paint. Ah. Um, I do a lot of different things. Like I like to paint. I mean, I just uh, finished uh, a huge rock wall had fallen down at my parents' house. And uh, I had learned by my father, you know, how to do that. We did a lot of yard labor. He was Italian. So I put it back together and – I like I'm really proud of myself for doing it you know what I mean here's this 58 year old drag queen in the front yard lifting up big rocks (laughs) 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 but I I, I honestly like in the next year or so I would like to move to Florida I love Sarasota I've been there two three times which I never did go to a place like that and be sober Uh you know it was always Uh you know Drag shows and drunken madness on the
2: beach and right. so, which, which was fun back then. But it gets it gets ugly. Plus we're fifty eight. Yeah, hello. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this was very inspirational, Michael Longo. Um, thank you so much thank for you, being on here, and thanks to Feral Treatment Center for for another success story. Uh, again, that number over there. They've got women's extensive outpatient programs as well as men's programs, and now this thirty day injection of Suboxone program. So That's lots of things. Look into it and see if there's something there that could maybe help not only yourself or maybe a loved one or someone you know. 860-225-4641. Another great show. Another great show. All right. It
1: was inspirational. Very very inspirational. Stories are amazing. Thank you, Michael. It gives us all hope. Michael, you give a lot of hope to to everyone that listens. Thank you. Absolutely. For anyone that's struggling with, whether it's addiction or mental health or any type of problem, thank you. And
2: thanks to our listeners, as usual, for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. Woohoo! So.
0: The audio platform with something for
1: everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world
2: on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love,
1: hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.